Disclaimer. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and should not be considered as facts. Nothing that is said about any person, organization, gaming company, or sport topic in general should be taken as facts, as well as any talk about any political, religious, or medical topics. As for medical topics at all times, you should speak to a licensed medical professional before any opinion is considered. Everything that is said on this podcast is opinion-based only. Viewers and listeners' discretion is advised. Welcome to the Dr. VTech Show. This podcast is a long-form conversation hosted by Dr. VTAC with the top guests in the world of esports. All from owners, pros, semi-pros, former pros, and content creators of many games. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome, welcome, welcome to the Dr. VTech show. Today we have a special guest. Now, when I say special, I mean special. Folks, in every sports there's out there, when we talk about basketball, we have certain people that pop in our mind immediately, like the GOAT, Michael Jordan. When you think about boxing, you think about Muhammad Ali or Mike Tyson. You think about soccer and Eastern, they call it football. You think about Messi, Ronaldinho, or Cristiano Ronaldo. When you think about golf, you got Tiger Woods or Jack. When you think about hockey, you think about Wayne Gretzky. But when you think about esports, who I have in mind is nothing but the best, the GOAT. He is the Tom Brady of NFL. His name is Fatality. He's won 12 world championships. Folks, this guy's big. In five games, not just one, five. He's a beast. He's an eSport Hall of Famer and a Lifetime Achievement inductee and founder of Fatality Gaming Hardware. Guys, let's bring a welcome to the GOAT. Fatality, how you doing, man? Hey, th thank you very much, man. Thanks for the intro. I appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> well, Fatality, I am at, uh, I'm in my 40s. People know that I'm 46. So I did watch you way back when you were down popular in 99, 2000s. And my God, if the internet was as it is now, you, I think you, I mean, you blew up pretty big and the internet was starting to take, you know, was climbing up, but <clears throat> you, you made a big impact and not, and it's unfortunate <clears throat> that nowadays, a lot of this new new people that are coming in, they don't know you yet. This is why it's, this podcast is so important. This episode is I want everybody to know who Fatality is. Some people I mentioned, I say, you know Fatality? They go, no, I don't. I never heard of them. I say, how old are you? I'm 17. I'm 18, 19. I said, okay, wait, look up this guy. When they look up, they're like, oh, my God. This guy won a whole bunch. I'm like, that's the goat. That's the goat. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, it was. Uh, I played a lot and for a long time. So you know, 
I think um, I think the internet, you know, obviously the internet coming out, uh, you know, that basically became more accessible in the '90s. Um, obviously, I was a trailblazer in uh, you know basically playing tournaments locally in my region, and then eventually I saw the opportunity to you know be the first you know full time professional gamer like traveling around the world. Uh, competing against the best players and you know basically every continent besides antarctica and um yeah it was just you know there was people before me that you know i almost looked up to like you look at like uh, a player named like thresh he won a ferrari for playing uh quake one and i was always like dude this guy won a ferrari for playing video games that's insane and uh i knew he had a business and a company and all that stuff and he was doing very well and, and like he kind of, he parlayed his gaming right off right right from the start get-go <clears throat> and i was just amazed uh i was able to build this brand you know he built his uh companies up um through his kind of like popularity as a gamer and you know as i looked at professional gaming i was like well you know i think there's another level we can go to and i want to make a, a career out of it um i wanted to show people that i can live solely off my prize winnings and being a professional gamer and uh, that's why I've always kind of titled myself as like the first full-time professional gamer. Um, but uh, definitely Thresh is uh, one of the guys I looked up to as a, as a kid. And, and uh, you know, I was always kind of amazed by his gameplay. Um, but, uh, you know, when I addressed the gaming circuit and so forth, uh, I was like, no, no, I can do this full-time. Like, this is my job. Hmm. And uh, basically, I just trailblazed around the globe uh, doing media and interviews in every country I went to, every continent I went to, and basically just spreading the word about professional gaming and esports. And the the thing was, like, no one really knew what esports was yet. Uh, they didn't know what competitive gaming was. So I was constantly kind of, you know, I always said kind of the Johnny Appleseed uh, that just basically traveled around the world. Uh, basically, uh, it's called barnstorming. Uh, it's what they did when they created baseball. Um, basically, just, you know, you set up a field wherever it is and you have, People throwing fastballs and see if they can hit this guy or not hit this guy, and uh, that's kind of what I did with the fatality shootout. I basically around the world and I was like, you know, I'm the number one game in the world. You can come play me, and so we started doing these fatality shootouts all across the globe, and it became a massive hit. Um, we started doing. I, I mean, I've been doing the fatality shootout. Probably did it for I don't know, 14 years, something like that. Um, so basically, we just trade shows conventions and this is really what helped launch the fatality brand was doing these shootouts and giving uh, the average person from whatever town the opportunity to play against the best and that's what i you know i think is kind of like my uh, you know accolade for being a pioneer in esports and really uh just trying to spread the the word that you know you can make a living playing video games and it was uh, definitely a a tough, uh, a tough journey, you know, to some degree, but uh, it was, uh, you know, back then you had to win, and that's that's what I did. And so, for people today and ha all the different avenues people have today, is it's really endless. I mean, you don't really have to be the best in the world anymore. You can just be an influencer. You can be, uh, you can be entertaining. You can. There's so many different ways to make money now in esports and gaming, uh, versus you know the early days and. Um, that's kind of you know where I stand with like kind of the brown groundbreaking uh, moments of esports and gaming was the early days is you had we had to pay our dues and I was kind of the guy that I was I was the guy that paid his dues and and uh, 
and spread the word of competitive gaming across the globe. Yeah, I mean, I remember seeing a documentary uh, of you on YouTube, I think it was. Yeah, and it showed like how you started off. I think you you left out of your your parents' house and you went to live in an apartment with a couple of your buddies. <laughs> yeah. And, and I remember seeing the monitors over these big clunkers, you know, those big the heavy CRT monitors. Yeah. And you were playing with that. And I could just imagine if you were that good with those monitors, imagine if you had a 200 hertz monitor. Of, oh, of, see, the, the thing is, like, people don't realize CRT monitor is probably still the best monitor today. Oh, really? Uh, I mean, if, if, uh, I mean, the CRT monitor is so smooth. There's like no input lag. Um, mm -hmm. The thing is, with the, the monitors we play on today all have input lag. And um, everything that we touch today in esports and gaming has massive amount of input lag built into it. Um, when I played, it was very, it was a very pure feeling. Like you felt connected to the screen, to the mouse, to the game, everything. Mm -hmm. uh, as long as you had the proper frame rate in the game, um, and you're locked out at 120 frames per second, and you're locked at 120 hertz on your monitor, it felt like you're playing on glass. It was the wow. best feeling ever. I didn't and know so, that. Yeah, so the, you know, you know, the younger generation, they just don't, you know, they just been playing with this their whole life. And, you know, the closest thing you have to, like, kind of that raw feeling, I mean, you can play, like, I don't know, you can play Overwatch. It has kind of a raw feeling of where, you know, you can still make really fast shots. Um, gosh, what's another game? It, it's, it's so it's so hard to even talk about a game that has what um, Quake had, in, in, you know, in the 90s and the 2000s. I mean, it, you were hardwired into the game. And right. so reflexes and hand-eye coordination and all those, like, skill sets you need to be the best in the world were very, like, you could see it. You know, so when I did my shootouts and playing against people around the world, they people thought I was cheating. Uh, and, you know, it's just like, I'm not cheating. It's just I have really good <laughs> hand-eye coordination, and I've shot this shot a million times, and I have the flick shot down, and I'm going to hit it pretty much every time I shoot it. And, uh, and But it looks it looks like I'm cheating, you know? Uh, and yeah. so it's always, it always fun, like, entertaining the crowds with uh, with my aim. And And the thing is, you're playing in front of them. Yeah, you're playing in front of the crowds. You're playing in front of you know the staff and every and everything. They know, you know, how you're going to try to cheat in in front of thousands of people that are in that crowd in front of everybody in the world. That would be a big embarrassment. But you know, no, it's more, it's more of a compliment. Like they just do it. Like yeah, the MT, like the MTV special. The guy, like he's sitting right next to me, and the, this is the apartment that you were talking about where I was went to San Antonio and I was training with these guys in this apartment. Yeah, uh, like it was like the best player in the neighborhood, you know, like kind of like, and you know, the guy was actually legitimately good. Like the guy was like actually a really good player and uh, I was excited to play with him. And then I beat him like eight to zero, eight negative one or whatever it was. Oh, and, uh, and then he instantly says for the camera, he goes, I think he's cheating. And then uh, he's like, but he says it like in a joking manner. <laughs> he's like, no, no, he's just really good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, geez, he's he's trying to at least get one kill. Yeah, that's I'm a I'm a big stickler for not giving anyone anything because uh, you know once you give up your opponent any glimpse of hope, uh, it, they can build confidence on that. 
So if you yes. don't ever give them uh, those little confident points, um, it makes a big difference. So when I go to tournaments and play against you know the best players in the world, uh, and they remember what happened last time, it it almost mind 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 fucks them. You know, like you know, it's yeah. like, uh, and so you know, I use a lot of that during my playing days to my advantages. Um, and people just knew when I came to play in tournament that I was coming to win. I didn't ever go there and take second. That was not never my mentality. Um, it was always about taking first place. And, you know, I had to take first place, like I told you earlier in this podcast. Like, you know, in the early days of esports, it was all about winning. If you took second or third, you were like back at your regular job. You're back doing whatever you're doing, uh, going back to school, whatever, however life hits you back then. And I was fortunate enough to win a lot of tournaments um, in uh, 2000. And that really kind of, you know, launched me into uh, stardom and like notoriety with sponsors and so forth. And then MTV called me and says, we'd love to do a documentary on you. And I was like, sure, let's do it. And then they filmed me, they filmed me for like four months and they actually filmed me playing a game that I'm not, I was not the world champion at. It was called the Unreal Tournament 2003. Oh, yeah, I remember that game. And so, in Unreal Tournament, it was kind of cool because it was kind of like, uh, uh, you know, Unreal players think they're the best FPS gamers in the world, and Quake players think they're the best FPS gamer, gamers in the world. So you had like this like, kind of rivalry going on between the community. And, uh, and so I remember, you know, playing the tournament, and I, I went to my very first qualifier I went to, I lost. And I was like, man, like, I got to learn this new fighting technique. It's like, I was compared to like mixed martial arts where someone's good at like punching or good at grappling or good at wrestling or whatever, kicking, uh, whatever their skill set is. Um, in FPS games, it's very much the same thing. Uh, going from Quake to Unreal Tournament, the fights were like more mid to long range and there was not very much close range fighting. Um, if there was, it was only the flak cannon. Uh, the flak cannon was like the only thing like really viable close range. But typically, it was all mid-range and then shock rifle from, like, mid to far range. That was the most dominant weapon. Um, and so learning the new fighting technique and so forth took time. And I, I know I trained for, like, two or three months, playing eight-plus hours a day. Um, then, obviously, having uh, MTV follow me around for that four months. And uh, and then eventually, I went to the tournament, and, you know, I won it. And uh, that, that episode, like, reared for, like, 13 years. Uh, because that was before reality TV was even a thing yet. Like no yeah. one, no one really, no one was watching. You know, I think the real world came out after that. <laughs> like you know, like that's how old school. Uh, you know, this was the first time we ever got mainstream television to cover esports, and and it was uh, it was huge. Like uh, it was just a massive, you know, point in my career, and actually it launched my business. Uh, so. The MTV thing was uh, monumental in my uh, popularity and success uh, in business. So, so to get a bit better understanding, you you went from your your home. What at what age you left your home to start this? When you went out with your friends and you you lived on your own. Well, two weeks before I graduated high school, I moved in with my dad. So I, I okay. literally, uh, my mom grounded me for three months and uh, I wanted to go to this tournament. And um, basically she didn't let me go uh, or she uh. didn't, wasn't going to let me go. So then I was like, I have to go. I have to find out how good I am. I have to go. Like I, I knew I had to go. 
And uh, all my friends were so adamant. They're like, Jonathan, like, I just beat everyone in London. And you're up here in Omaha, Nebraska, playing me, and you beat me eight games straight. And so, obviously, you're going to go and win money. Like, it's not even a question. It's, it's like, as a matter of fact, it's like, like, are you going to take first or not? It's like really the question. And uh, I was like, well, I've never played in a pro tournament before. I've only played in like regional tournaments. I've won every tournament I've entered for three years. But like, you know, going against all the best players in the world that maybe have more tournament experience than I do, I was kind of, you know, interested in the challenge. Um, so I saved up 500 bucks, moved in with my dad. I go, dad, I made a handshake deal with my dad. I was like, dad, I need to go to this tournament. In three months, I'm going to travel to Dallas, Texas. I'm going to play in this tournament. So I had $500 in cash, wherever it was, in my bank account. And uh, I started driving down there. Uh, one of my buddies I used to train with in Nebraska had a buddy that lived in Dallas. So he offered up his couch uh, for me to train at his apartment for two weeks before the tournament. And obviously the player I'm playing with is also a world champion quick two player named Ricks. And uh, so I was like, this is perfect. I get to train with like another champion who knows what it takes to win and so forth. And, and we can really have good sparring sessions. Uh, and then we... And then we obviously uh, we trained, and I ended up went to the qualifier the week before the tournament, and I took first in the qualifier, and I was like, "Oh, this is a good start." And uh, they, they also gave me five hundred fifty dollars cash for winning the qualifier, and I was like, "Sick! Like I got my money back." <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and so I was kind of stoked. I was only eighteen at the time, and uh, I remember going to the tournament at the High Regency in Dallas, Texas, and uh, and then playing in the tournament, and I ended up taking third place won $4,000 that weekend playing a video game. And I was like, holy wow. crap, $4,000. It takes me like all summer to make that, if I even make that in a full summer. <laughs> and uh, so I, I worked at a private golf course as a waiter at that point and, mm-hmm. uh, and did tech support on the side too. I, was, I had like two or three jobs at one time. I was just trying to get ahead in life. Um, right. And so, um, yes, I won the money, came and slapped that check on the table and showed my dad the $4,000 check and, like, yeah, I won four thousand dollars as we can play a video game. What's this world coming to? And uh, and then basically he says, if you can make this money on the side, life is gonna be a lot easier for you. And so I just got addicted to the idea of like, you know, I can really make a living at this. And then um, I think like two weeks after that tournament, uh, Razor, the old Razor that went bankrupt, um, they reached out to me and they were like. They're they like, hey, Fatality, we'd like to fly you to Sweden to represent USA. And I was like, yes, I'm in. And uh, and then obviously I went to the tournament and I won 18 games straight, losing zero against the top 12 guys in the world. What? Yeah, and that that was the the monumental like that was my first like major world championship, um, where you know, um, playing against top 12 guys in the world. And then uh, I remember after the tournament, I won and. The guys were all talking. They were like, you know, no one's ever done that before. Like playing against the top 12 guys in the world and you play, I'm literally playing best of three with best players in the world. Like all like right in a row, like bam, 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 bam. But I won every, I won every game 2-0-2-0-2-0-2-0-2-0-2-0-2-0-2-0-2-0-2-0-2-0-2-0-2-0-2-0-2-0-2-0-2-0-2-0-2-0-2-0-2-0-2-0-2-0-2-0-2-0-
you know, at 18 years old, I'm just trying to make as much happen as fast as possible because I have very limited time because I'm going to have to go to school. I'm going to start my career. I have all these things going, but like, I really want to give my shot at this. And I already did the hard work of winning the championship. And then I'm like, well, I have this now. And like, how do I use this? Like, it was literally like I won. And I literally walked over to the sponsor, like within like the next like 30 minutes and uh, told the guy, I was like, you should sponsor me. And they were like, why? And I'm like, I'm the best in the world. And, uh, you know, it's my first championship, right? And uh, so then I, uh, he, he was, I, I, I sold him. I was like, aren't you sponsoring the title tournament this summer in Dallas? And they were like, yes. And I'm like, wouldn't it be cool if I was wearing the shirt when I, when I win? You know? <laughs> so, so then he was like, okay, let me talk, let me talk to the president and like, let me get back to you. And then uh, I remember I flew home to through Chicago and I was going through customs and uh, the general manager of Razor at the time, uh, he uh, walked up to me and he goes, okay, we're going to do it. We're going to sponsor you. We're going to pay for all your travel for a whole year. We're going to give you a salary. Uh, and then, uh, you know, everything will be taken care of from, from for the next year. And that's when I knew. I was like, okay, here we go. You got and, it. Uh, yeah. That was, like it, was that. A really, it was a really good moment. And then obviously I won the tournament and then I won the uh, gold medal in Korea. And, you know, like I was doing everything with the, uh, with their uh, ball mouse back in the day. Um, but that was like the beginning, uh, the beginning, the beginning and end of razor, uh, in, in my eyes. I wonder what, you know, what happened to razor <laughs> because <laughs> were they spending too much money on the long run with other stuff? Because I don't really know the full dynamics of their business. I just, you know, I went through the ringer a lot with them. Um, you know, and that was, uh, you know, it's just, it's just what happened. You know, I got, I got stiffed on some uh, money from them and then I got a contract that basically didn't, didn't uh, come out to do anything and so forth. And, but even when I was on the MTV thing, I was supposed to do something for uh, razor for that show. And, uh, but they kept being so flaky. Um, and so yeah. I just basically, I was like, I'm just going that, to, that's kind of what sparked me to create fatality brand, um, and make my own products for gamers. Uh, just because I was just like, you know, I can't trust other people and just, you know, doing business in general is just tough back then. And, um, but yeah, I mean, I was winning and doing all the right things and just, unfortunately just, uh, you know, the company filed chapter 11 or whatever it was, or I forget what they, what the deal was, but, uh, yeah. well, it wasn't, wasn't, uh, wasn't good for me. <laughs> I know that. Yeah. That, that kind of sucks, but on the other hand, it opened up a door for you to open up your own brand. Yeah, which was which, huge. Yeah, which I know for a fact way back, I used to see your your brand in, in a lot of uh, gaming rigs. And it was a Fatality Edition, Motherboard Fatality Edition. Everybody knew that Motherboard was top tier. Yeah, if it had that label fatality, forget it. And for the folks that is listening, that you don't know, if it had fatality, basically is saying it had nitro or turbo in it. It's going to perform even better. It, it was insane. So yeah, we basically, you know, we we did a lot of work on, you know, 
basically removing all the things you don't need, like on a motherboard and so forth, um, and basically making sure that the right power capacitors and so forth are at a high-grade quality. So when you're overclocking the computer or playing games for a long period of time, that the computer, uh, the motherboard is going to withstand all those uh, those heat issues that you're going to have. Uh, so that was the, really the idea. I mean, you know, I used to go to the store and I used to buy motherboards, but I was like, what is 92AX251? Uh, I was like, I have no idea what this even means. And so that's what kind of sparked me to create the Fatality brand, uh, you know, in the motherboard market. I was already doing Fatality product before that, uh, making mouse pads and so forth. But uh, this is kind of what sparked me to get into motherboard business because like when I go to the store, I don't know that, I don't know any of these brands. I mean, yeah, people knew Asus, Gigabyte, or whatever, right? Um, but they didn't like no one had like a gaming division. Uh, so I approached Abit motherboards, and then eventually Azrock, and pitched them on the Fatality uh, branding concept with my team. And we basically, you know, convinced them to take a chance on chance on me. And then we started traveling the world and creating products for gamers. I mean, I was already making like the mouse pads, like I said, like after the MTV thing. Mm-hmm. I started making the mouse pads. I was making five or ten grand a month selling mouse pads. I was like, "This oh is crazy." Gosh. <laughs> and I was like twenty-two at the time. I was like, "This is insane." And uh, so I was like super excited to make products for gamers. Um, I got really into it, um, and then obviously licensing uh, Creative Labs, uh, doing the sound cards, uh, the headphones. Probably my headphones, probably the number one seller out of everything. Uh, but the, we sold a lot of motherboards over the years just because we were in business for so long. It was almost like 17 years of making motherboards. Um, but the headphones, I mean, for four to, I don't know, almost eight years, I mean, we sold millions of headphones. Wow. So talking about your brand, how's your, what's your brand now? Yeah, so n- now I'm at the point where, you know, I'm trying to work on like the nostalgic value or the rebranding of Fatality. Uh, because like you said, like the younger generation, some, some of them do know me, some of them don't know me. And Correct. so, and so it's, it's playing with that nostalgic uh, value that I have, uh, to make, um, you know, I still like making products and so forth, but it's really just finding out what the next step is. Uh, you know, I still have motherboards in the market today that are kind of like end of life. They're coming to an end, uh, cause the contract is up with, uh, ASRock. Um, but, uh, you know, I still have a lot of, uh, desire to make products for gamers and make good quality and really that's kind of the limitation like you said like why put fatality on something i want it to be something of quality and something that actually makes a difference in someone's game ability to play at a high level uh my phrase is always like you know i never want your equipment to be the reason why you lost i want the, the only reason why you should ever lose is because you lost not because your equipment lost and uh that's how i always focused on everything i made was I want to know that all the weight is on my shoulders and not on my equipment. And, um, and so that was like kind of my mindset, uh, pl- you know, playing for all those years. But yeah, basically just working on the next version. Um, currently right now, this year, uh, my plan is to start working on an autobiography, work my own book uh, to kind of tell my whole journey and life story. You're obviously getting like a, a fraction of it here. Yeah, um, I know. <laughs> but uh um, there's a lot more to talk about, a lot more ups and downs that, uh, you know, you're getting some of the ups and downs with the sponsors and so forth. But, uh, uh I think there's a very rich story here that people can learn from and, and we probably, probably, uh, understand like the full, you know, how fatality started. Yeah. I, I, um, I seen, 
I seen how 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 like with the documentary with the MTV did that was the one that I saw that I was like this is amazing. Now I bet did did your mom kind of like later on like man I shouldn't uh, <laughs> hard on them. I didn't know he was gonna make this amount. He's gonna be like this. Well, I think it was almost everyone in the world felt like my mom. Uh, I mean, you know, everyone's like, you're never gonna make a living playing video games. You're never gonna do this. Never gonna do that. And you know, uh, you know, it was just weird. Like you know, like when you know when you know you're doing something that no one else is doing, and you know you know, just like, I mean, how many people were making a living playing video games at that er in that era? Like, I mean, it, it was just like, there. you know, I was the guy that basically was trying to prove that you it is possible, and this is the sport of the 21st century. And so I was just, that's why I was talking to Johnny Appleseed. Like, I went around the globe, like, explaining, like, this is the sport of the 21st century. People are going to watch people play video games. I have a massive amount of fan base that already that wa loves watching me duel, loves watching me play, loves, they're like real fans. And, uh, and I was like, there's going to be other games that are going to come out in the future. There's going to be other game titles, other other players, and so forth. And they're going to have the fan base that I had, and, and probably bigger because of the internet just constantly growing with all the social media platforms and everything else that comes uh, from that. So at, at that point, I really realized, uh, you know, what I was doing was meaningful uh, because I was speeding up the process of esports becoming more mainstream and that's why I did it for so long. It was like, you know, I wanted to leave a legacy behind for sure. Uh, I wanted to win. Uh, I love practicing. Uh, I love the, I love the competition. I love being on stage and, and doing the most insane shot ever uh, at the most important moment. I mean, all those things that you see in traditional sports, I want to do in esports. And uh, you have those magical moments where you get like, you get a crowd to drop their draw, their jaw because they saw some move I did. And I, I just, I remember doing so many of those things and hearing the crowd through my headphones and just like, wow, that like I did something like magical for the fans. And, and probably uh, for so, you it was basic. Like, oh, that was no, it, it, it was, it was, I mean, like, yeah, some of it's like I've done it a million times, but some, yeah. some, some things they've never seen. And uh, it, even for me, like, I was like, there's this trick in Doom 3. So you could, you could, uh, this is back when you could like, actually shoot lights out in the game and then you create shadows. And mm -hmm. I remember, uh, there was like two or 3,000 people in the crowd at QuakeCon, and it was the inaugural Doom 3 championship. Uh, no one's really played the game. It's only been out for like four days, so everyone basically is like a, new, like a noob at the game. But we're bringing all the skills that we have from all these other games to this game. And so it's really kind of... I, I feel like it was like one of my biggest wins just because it, a lot of people will say, oh, he practiced more, oh, he played more, or whatever deal is. This was a game that like no one had like really more practice at uh it was just like we're gonna throw you into a ring and then you have to duke it out and win it and uh well anyways I, anyways I, in the grand finals it was 25 grand we won i won that tournament and uh it basically we i shot out these light bulbs and i created this shadow and i hid in the shadow and my opponent ran right by my shoulder and ran right by me and and then i i ran and got away and survived that killing opportunity for my opponent and uh the whole crowd just goes nuts the commentator dj wheat marcus graham like he's like oh my god like what just <laughs> happened like you know the, i remember looking at the crowd and just everyone's mouth open in awe and i was like yeah that's right i'm the freaking goat <laughs>
<laughs> you re- you remind me like the the pioneers of of UFC, like for an example, Royce Gracie. Um, that these are the pioneers, people that actually built the octagon. Okay, you built esport, and Royce Gracie had a, a lot of people think, oh no, McGregor's the best or Habib's the best. And I said, listen, those guys are remotely the best. You want to know who's the best on, on the UFC? Well, look at Royce. He had to fight three guys in one night. One night, three men with no time limit, no gloves, no nothing. Three men. It's like you got to go to fight, you know, Mike Tyson three times in one night, you know? And it's, <laughs> of course, it's, you're going to get beat up at the end. They, he holds up that, that paycheck because he won. He won so many. He was he was a champion for 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 many years, and I see you, <clears throat> excuse me, on the same way. You had you at the end. You win. You hold up a paycheck. Back then, those paychecks weren't as big as what they're giving out now. Like a lot of this, because of the sponsors, and now esport is like really really big. Now these a lot of these players are making you know they're they're making a lot of money. Yeah, they're making a million plus a year or something. Yeah, millions, some millions. They're make, making a lot. It, if it was back then the same pay, you would have quadrupled the earnings that you got. But you played it smart. That's one thing that I I admire about you, because you look more in the future. Okay, hey, what's going to happen on a long term? How I'm going to keep on progressing my name and keep my name in the industry, what I'm going to do. Let me just get into making my own brand. And, and that part, I said, wow, Jonathan Wendell is so smart. He, he knew how to target. Now he, now he's targeting, you know, the fans providing uh, the best equipment out there and, that, that's amazing. That's amazing. How, how you, st- how the way you started and you grow and now having your own brand. And I'm like, wow. Yeah. It was like, you know, I think during my plane days, like obviously I, I built the brand during my plane days. Like I think at the time I created fatality Inc, I already won probably like five championships. And then, uh, and then I won another, I don't know, six or seven, I guess after that. Um, but, uh, it was very important to start the brand while I was playing. Correct. And, uh, and so I, I, I knew that. And then I was like, I also knew that, you know, if I was being paid like a NFL player, like getting massive contracts, yearly salaries and so forth, then I could see more longevity of like, okay, I'm going to play games for the rest of my life, you know, or, or, you know, do as long as I possibly can and compete at the highest level as long as I can, as long as I'm getting paid. But uh, I kind of saw also that the prize money was so uh, dependent on like just marketing budgets. And so I, that's what really kind of scared me. I was like, well, who's taking, who's going to take care of me when the sponsorship dollars come up or whatever deal is. And so that's what really kind of sparked me to create the fatality brand was really just because I was like, I was not sure where my next paycheck was coming from. And, yeah. and so I was like, I need to control my own destiny and, and make, you know, make these mouse pads, like get people, get people 
love to support me and so forth. And this is before, like, you know, people can support me through Twitch that they can just sub their channel. And that's like them, you know, helping them do what they love to do. And, you know, I stream too, but like, I, it's not the same thing, like, it, you know, as it was back then. But like, my version of people subscribing to me was buying my mouse pad. <laughs> so, so I, that's why I was, I was making five or 10 grand a month selling mouse pads. I was like, this is freaking awesome. And, uh, yeah, it was just like, just a different, uh, uh, hustle back then but yeah basically i had to find out what i was gonna do next and uh, i was always trying to think one step ahead of like what the future is going to bring for me and um but yeah deep downside i wanted to play games for as long as possible as long as uh, it was more guaranteed contracts like you see in uh traditional sports i would have never stopped i don't think like it was like it was like that that was like a really big deciding factor of like i need to evolve uh faster Correct. So, how many years you been in the in the pro scene and competing? Well, so like, you know, my very first tournament was like in 1996 playing an FPS game. I played a tournament like 1993, 94, like back like when I was like a teenager, like when I was like 13, or whatever. And mm-hmm. I, I took first place for NBA Jam in my in my uh in my hometown. And I was like, whatever. This is like this means nothing, right? But I was just so fascinated that I could practice a game and become the best in the city. I was like, oh, you can practice and be good at games. Like, that's so weird. And, like, I just thought it was weird um, at the, when I was a teenager. <clears throat> and then when I turned uh, 15, 16 years, six years old, uh, I was already a big fan of like, Doom and Doom 2. I, was play, I played on the network uh, across my neighbor's house. I only got probably, you know, I think the lifespan of, like, a year or two, I probably only got an hour and a half of gameplay. <laughs> I mean, literally, that's how much access I had to do that computer. And uh, I've wanted to play all the time, but just it was just hard to set up a look with, you know, just hard to, you know, get on the computer and play the game. Like it wasn't my computer. So I begged for a computer forever and eventually got one uh, at my house in 1996 and then started playing uh, Quake 1. And Quake 1 test came out and that game was amazing. It was, I mean, if you look back at Quake 1 and look at games today, Quake One still holds up a flag against some of the games today. It's really that wild, uh, because yeah. like there's so much gameplay that's going on, and so many different like moves and shots, and different like rocket jumps and uh, lightning guns and shotguns. Like there's all these like same things you use in like the game like, in Fortnite today are like that's, that's from Quake from 1996. <laughs> you know, it's kind of wild when you see like a game that was developed back then, and there's still like some of those same aspects are still being used today. Uh, like in Halo as well. The capture the flag. Yeah, yeah I mean, uh, Halo was after Quake. Though. I mean, like, Quake really was the beginning. From 1996 to 2000, uh, it was, uh, I felt like I was in my own uh, private club. You know, uh, there was no, Xbox didn't exist. Yeah, uh, yeah, so, yeah. So, like, playing CTF and Team Fortress and Deathmatch and, uh, you know, Last Man Standing, all that stuff was already in Quake for four years. I've been playing it nonstop. I, I was, I thought I was in heaven every day I came home from school. I was like, this is the best thing ever. <laughs> like, I mean, that's how amazing it was. It was really just crazy. And like, I would have, a, I, we were playing on dial-up internet. So we're all playing with like a 200 ping. Uh, it was like, just being in the game was amazing. And uh, it was a lot of fun. Wow. Now you you were you were really known as well with Quake, and then what happened to Quake? This that's my thing. There's games that last for 
and in even Unreal Tournament, there there's games like for for an example, like Counter Strike. Counter Strike's been out for years; it doesn't die. Yeah, and I thought the same thing with with Quake and an Unreal Tournament. These games should have kept on progressing and progressing, still stay on on stage. What whatever happened to those games? Well, Quake, uh, you know, Quake has a long history. Um, Quake One, obviously, the big one was Quake One when uh, Thrush won the Ferrari. Quake Two was Thrush so won some tournaments in Quake Two, and then there was some other champions as well in Quake Two era. Um, and then Quake Three came around. That's that's when I showed up. Quake Four, uh, Toxic became like the number one Quake Four player, uh, but there wasn't a whole lot of money in Quake Four. Um, and then, and then uh, after Quake Four, Quake Live came out. And then you had Rafa enter the game, and then Rafa became, you know, the goat uh, of Quake Live. And you know, he played. He Rafa's probably played Quake the longest out of everyone, uh, just because Quake, uh, it, you know, it was obviously past like its prime years, but it was still like there's still tournaments out there for Quake because people still had a, a deep feelings for quake mm-hmm. and uh, so quake live tournaments were still going on and he was winning tournaments here and there and then eventually uh um he won so many quake live tournaments and then he went to a game called quake champions i think it's like 2016 is when quake champions came out it didn't really have that big of a splash in the market uh i played it for about a couple of weeks uh, i had like 10,000 viewers watching me play it on twitch uh when it first launched and I was like, okay, maybe I'll play Quake Champions a lot. And I was really excited about playing Quake Champions. And I was trying to build out a business relationship with, with, uh, with, with Bethesda and Quake Champions and so forth. Unfortunately, we couldn't come to agreement to like work together. And so I was like, well, all my friends play PUBG, <laughs> player on Battlegrounds. And so I was kind of like, well, do I want to play a game that no one plays? Or do I want to play uh, a game where all my friends play? And so it became like very easy decision. Like it was like, okay, like I played Quake long enough. Uh, I need to play something different. And I need to play, I need to play with my friends. And sure. the next three years, I had the most fun ever playing PUBG. Uh, and actually, I got to number one uh, in North America for solos in PUBG in 2017. Wow. So for 45 days, I was live streaming. I live streamed for like three years probably for PUBG. And, uh, and so... I was just playing all the time, and I, I was like, guys, I'm going to do my old training techniques. I'm going to train like I did back in the day. I'm going to play eight-plus hours a day. I'm going to run, exercise. I'm going to do all these things and uh, eat healthy and just try to be, you know, be more, uh, you know, just what I used to do in my old regiment when I was being a world champion at Quake on all tournament Doom and all their games. Um, and so, yeah, so 45 days later, I got to number one, and I held the spot for about 10 days. And I was so ecstatic. Uh, but it was just kind of like showing people, like, you know, if you put your mind to it and, you know, you, you can really do anything. And just, it just I, I had a really good training regimen that, that worked and it was efficient. And um, I was extremely happy about it. But, you know, I think probably like two weeks later, all the hackers logged into PUBG and it became like just this constant cheaters logging in. And I was like, hey, whatever. I'm playing duos, squads now. I'm, I'm going to hang with my friends. But, it was a fun time for the channel because I had a lot of viewers watching because they, they saw how hard I was trying to get there. Wow. So I, I remember even seeing you play some 
I think I think I did see you play Call of Duty. Yeah, I, I play I, I play every game. I played Counter Strike. I played I played Halo. I played Call of Duty Modern Warfare Two. I played. Didn't you uh, win Warzone. something in Halo? Uh, no, not in Halo oh, ever. Call uh, of Duty. Call of Duty a long like a long time ago. Call of Duty. I won a tournament. It was like back in the early days. Uh, Valorant. Uh, I won a tournament for Valorant. Uh, during the pandemic, we had like a celebrity uh, match where a bunch you know it's like it's basically Counter Strike. I mean, I played Counter Strike. Played a lot yeah. of Counter Strike in my life. <laughs> so uh, I think my highest like I had my own team and so forth. The highest we ever got, we were top three ranked in the U.S. at one point. Jeez. So we played a lot. Make you feel like you want to compete again? Like like, geez, top well, three. My God. The thing about competing in team games and so forth like i only have one world championship in team play and it's in quake 3 in the 4v4 mm-hmm. team deathmatch and it was, my, it was a team called uh clan capital and uh we had the best team like i remember when the captain reached out to me he's like hey i want you to join tk and i'm like i don't want to join another team just to play on a team like I, if i'm gonna play on a team we're building a super team and uh and so basically he said, like, I was like, who, who's, who do you have in mind? Like, who are you going to get? And so he started telling me the first name, which was CZM. And I'm not sure if you ever heard of CZM, but he's, uh, he's like a Princeton genius. Like, this guy is, like, literally, like, you could tell him a number, like, 1,255 divided by 2 plus 3 and divided by whatever and times that. And he would tell you the answer. He was really a genius. And uh, wow. it was just remarkable how smart this kid was. I knew him from Quake One. I knew him forever, and he was like the—he was like a little bit younger than me, maybe like a year younger, a year or two younger than me. And uh, so when he told me CZM was going to be on the team, it's like, okay, you're one for one on like answering the question correctly. <laughs> uh, who's the who's the set, who's the third guy? And then I only had one name in mind. I was like, there's no way he's going to say this name. If he says this name, I'm going to join for sure. Like this, like he, but he has to say it. Yeah, and he said he said this guy's name from Florida. His name is Ouija. Uh, Ouija. Uh, and I was like, "Holy crap!" He said the freaking name, and then and I was like, "And I guess you're the fourth, right?" And he's like, "I'm the fourth. And I'm like, "Okay, we got three of the four. <laughs> like, you know, so <laughs> we uh, so then we uh, we we started playing and we went undefeated for two years. Never lost undefeated? the tournament. Yeah, for two years. Oh my god. Yeah, we were we were literally no one could stop us. We had the ultimate team. Everyone knew it. Like, we were dedicated to practicing, training. And then, obviously, we won all the national ch- tournaments and, and, obviously, the world championship in, uh, I think it was, like, 2001 or whatever it was. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that was my only... Like, I have one uh, world championship in team play, and then the other 11 were all individual 1v1 deathmatch games. Uh, but where I was getting to with this is that finding the right people on a team is extremely hard. Um, when I have to count on myself in a 1v1 deathmatch situation, I can count on myself, show up for practice every day. I can, I, can, I know I'm going to be crazy and like uh, insane about what it takes to be number one. And I'm going to do every every minute, every second is going to be dedicated to how do I beat, beat this guy or beat the next guy or win the tournament or whatever it is. And so that's what I loved about playing individuals because there's so much pressure on me. And, uh, and it was just a nice feeling to know that, like, if I lost, it wasn't because my team lost. It was because I lost. And, and yeah. when I won, I won, you know? And it was just, you had, like, that super high, like, you know, adrenaline kick uh, from winning. And, uh, and so 
playing Counter-Strike, you know, top three in the U.S., it's, it's good. Like, you know, it's really good. But, like, you know, like, in my mindset, I want to be the best in the world. And so yeah. it's, uh, you know, finding finding the team and the chemistry between all the guys and making sure every, like, all five guys are insane on the same level and all, like, have the same mentality that every second is going to be consumed of this and this is my life now. Uh, that's very hard to find. And once you find it, you want to keep that as long as you can. But you'd always have, like, turnover. It'd be like one guy, oh, I have to go back to school. I have this going on, family issues, like, whatever. Like, something always happened. And, you know, I only played Counter-Strike, you know, on a very competitive level for probably like nine months or so, like maybe a year or so, like super hardcore. And, uh, and, we, and the turnover rate already just in that nine months was already like, this is crazy. Like, how are we ever going to become the best in the world if we have people leaving, leaving or falling off or going back to school or whatever the deal is? Correct. Wow. I mean, so you you're... So you've been in you've been in for geez for so many years and then Counter Strike and you did you did you said you play Valorant as well yeah uh, Valorant came out yeah okay so when was you did this uh um this tourney with uh with the famous people yeah who, who was in it uh you know Taylor uh, was it Taylor Fritz that uh <clears throat> like the number one U.S. Uh, tennis player he was on my team um. Gosh, who else is on the team? <clears throat> it's just basically like every team had like a different celebrity on the team and so forth. And it was, I think it was sponsored by American Family or so. I forget the sponsor, but we won 25 grand for it. And basically, we just gave that money to like, I gave it to the Just One Project here in Las Vegas. Uh, okay. It was just like a, you know, so my prize money goes to whatever charity I choose. And then I chose my charity and it goes there. And so it was a fun event, you know, just it was publicized really well. And, you know, I, I was fragging pretty hard, uh, but you know, and so it was good for me for like, you know, uh, you know, cosmetics of like, just like, okay, Fatality still has it, uh, you know? And so it was cool to do that and so forth. But, you know, I mean, someone that's living and breathing it every day, uh, like a Counter-Strike pro that changes over to Valorant or whatnot. I mean, all these guys are insane. Uh, I mean, if you look at uh, some of these players today, I mean, there's some really great players out there, but you know, they're on that, that new wave, that new kick of like cracking the code on social media, cracking the code on how to monetize it and, and so forth. And it's just a completely different game from when I played, like, you know, and like, even when I stream, like I win all the time, but th it doesn't, it doesn't uh, translate to like money. Uh, what right. translates to money is like being entertain being entertaining, like, you know, like in a different way. And uh, I've always been kind of like, just like, I let my uh, gameplay do the speaking for me. And that was kind of how I lived my life. And most people that saw me compete in the, the early days of esports, they, uh, that's all they got to see. They just got to see, um, they saw, they just saw me, they'd see me walk into the term area and go kill the guy, <laughs> then go back to my hotel room. I mean, it was like, I was like this assassin that came out, came out of nowhere and just comes in to kill and then it's over. Then I just walk, I walk away, you know, like, so Jeez. the only time you ever saw me show real emotions, like when I won, the when I won the tournament, that was the only yeah. time you ever really saw like real emotion. And like, I had a really tight knit of people I trained with. And I had the whole thing where people were sworn to secrecy. We have to, uh, whatever happens in this training stays in the training. If you want to be part of my boot camp or my training 
regiment. <clears throat> These are my rules. Um, if you get interviewed or talk to anyone, you can't talk about any of the things we're doing in the training. Um, I've had people sit outside my hotel room and they're like begging to get in. I'm like, dude, you can't, you can't come in. Like you're not a part of our, I don't know you that well enough to trust you. And like, during yeah. the whole time, I only had one guy that really broke the rule because I had a, a no recording demos policy. Mm -hmm. Um, but no one was like, no one could record demos. Like I didn't want anything getting out, getting out. So anything that was going on in, in the training facility or like, you know, basically at my, at my house at the time, uh, you know, was just sworn to secrecy. And, you know, I promised you're going to get the best training, but like, let me, uh, this is how it has to be done. Well, I bet, I bet that you had to implement those type of rules because it's like, even, even our, and the, and the pro scenes are like, I'm, I'm really pretty into rainbow. Right. And, and now, you know, I'm with, with the organization wildcard. And, um, so my, my buddies on rainbow six siege, they, they do certain things that they don't do while they're streaming. Yeah. And they have to keep it that way because people would literally just look what they're doing. Just, finding out their game plan, their style, and then they'll try to take advantage of it. So For when sure. they go compete against them or they scrimming against them, they will know their, their play style. So they, they avoid doing everything on camera. They don't stream it whatsoever. They just keep everything, you know, and in-house and, and, and all the orgs, they do that as well on, on rainbow. So even in Halo, got buddies of mine like uh, like from uh, Phase. Uh, so one of my friends, he also he doesn't stream anything. People ask him, "Hey, can you stream?" And all this is not. I'm I'm actually practicing his Renegade. So he does all their stuff off camera, and I and I see why. I see why because is is. It there's so much information and people could pick up certain tricks that you do, certain areas that you hide or whatever, and you don't want that out because then no for sure the the enemy team is going to take advantage on a tournament and they're going to just going to just go right at it. Yep. And and you don't want that. And I when I saw you when I saw the stuff that you did and you you went out and I think this is probably why you like the one v ones a lot. Cause you, nobody's known your secret and that secret is only you will know. <laughs> uh, when you're in a team base, you know, people know your fellow friends, your teammate know your tricks too. <laughs> so, but when you're in a one v one, you're the only one. And, uh, it's, it's very important to all these tactics is all this stuff. It, it stays within yourself. Don't tell nobody. You can't trust nobody nowadays because they're going to go ahead and record or they're going to, you know, yeah. break the rules uh, doing that. Yeah. The, the thing about like, you know, you know, people have tendencies, like things they want to do, like, like they just enjoyed. This is like, this is like their style of gameplay. And um, some people are very aggressive. Some people are very defensive. Some people are very strategic. Some people are just have really good uh, fight ability. Like they're really good at fighting. Um, and some people have all the skills. And when you're playing against the best player in the world, like, like I was like, for me, 
Fabrik is a top eight guy in the world. He was really good at everything. He was like four out of five of everything. Four out of five, four out of five, four out of five. When you get to a top three guy, the guy's like five out of five, five out of five, five out of five, four out of five, five out of five. So it's like that. You know, like he's almost perfect. The top three guy. Because you're playing against, I mean, the top three guy is legitimately like this guy has all the things that are necessary to win. He knows timing. He knows how important the ammo is. He knows how important the mega health is, the armors, positioning. Uh, but like when you really like the the secret of really being the absolute best, I believe, is knowing how to beat each one of those people. So mm -hmm. like a strategic person always dies at power ups. An offensive guy can die anywhere because he's offensive. Mm -hmm. A defensive guy can die to attrition just because you can milk him for everything. Eventually, there's going to be a moment where you're, he's going to make a mistake, and you just play on the mistake. Like He's going to make a mistake eventually. It's going to happen. When it happens, you capitalize on it. But no matter what, you're always in control because you have all the power-ups. You have all the health. You have all the armor. You have all the positioning. You have, every, you have all those things. And then you have some people that are actually crazy. And, and that's what amazed me is that the crazy person killed me a lot of times. And I was like, wow, this guy is completely nuts. Like, this guy is literally doing what you should definitely not be doing. Exactly. He would, he, he would, he would do and, and so that amazed me. And so I used to train with the crazy guy. Uh, I invited him to come to Missouri and train with me. And I was like, uh, I want to train with you a lot because you are insane. Like, I can't predict you. And so the unpredictability became like a really cool thing because when you're playing against top three guy and playing in the world championship finals, even the best in the world is a little crazy. And he will do something when, when you don't expect it, he'll just do something insane. And that is not, it's not really predictable, but it's like almost shocking. And when it happens, like, bam, if that 1% thing ever happens at a very high level, it, game is over. The best player in the world will hold control. And, and that's what, that's, that's what I did. I would I would just find these really. I would always try to hit that one percent thing to happen. And if it happened, oh my god, it was game over. I was like, if I get one thing to go my way, it's over every time. And so I'm just praying that that one percent thing happens all the time when I'm playing. And once it happens, it just it, cat it catapults. They start playing too aggressive into you. They start losing their composure. All these things. They start collapsing uh, mm -hmm. as a, an opponent. And that's when you rack up the score and you get crazy high scores and so forth because the guy just, you know, just gave up in some some regard. Uh, but yeah, it's always fascinating to me about the different play styles and like, and each person dies in a different area, a different spot. And uh, it's a matter of like figuring that out. But also, if there's some way you can tell that your opponent is changing, like, oh, he's going defensive. Like, they're like, okay, well then I know where he's going to die in a minute and 30 seconds. Like, you know, like those kind of things. Like, because like when you start getting those kind of thoughts, like it's really cool because you can really kind of like see the future to some degree. And mm -hmm. you already know, like if I can get here and they get in this moment, he's dead. And so uh, those are the cool things about, you know, playing against the best players in the world and and knowing uh, when people are changing their play styles. Wow, it's amazing. That That's totally amazing. You know, there there's something that, that not only in esport, what you just did, inviting the crazy guy over to spar with you, they <laughs> play with you. That is the smartest thing ever. I seen, and and mind you, I seen pro players play with randoms that are not pros and get demolished. P 
because these guys, they know they're going to play against pros. So they're like, you know, what the heck? We're going to lose anyhow. So for, for they're, they're like, their mindset, they think they're going to lose. So they're going to go doing the most craziest stunt ever, and they end up winning. And they end up beating them. And I've seen this in on, on Rainbow Six Siege. They're going ahead of 5v5, you know, and then all of a sudden they can't. And then what you hear is like, oh, dude, what? You jumped out of the window. Something that you would never do on a ranked match or you're trying to compete or competitive or in a tournament, you will never do that type of stunt because your likelihood you're going to die very quick. But you did it because you just don't care. You're doing the craziest thing ever, and you're actually it's actually working. Well, sometimes like the thing is like that's when you're up against the wall. Sometimes you have to do that incredible crazy play. You have to keep uh-huh. your opponent on their toes. So doing the crazy thing, they might do it too much, and if they keep doing it, they eventually pick up on it. But mm-hmm. when you have you should be saving that in your back pocket for like that one moment that you have to do something crazy. Or if you just want to win like the first round, you think, Oh, like, you know, or whatever round it is. Like if we do this at this one time, it might just give us an extra round because of mm-hmm. the, the, surprise, the surprise factor. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I, in my training days, uh, I think, I, I think I only lost one time ever in my, in my practice, uh, practice. Like, wow. and, it, and it was against a guy that was not even, like you said, like, was not, he was not a top player in the world. He was a top yeah. 64 guy, maybe, maybe, and he beat oh. me one game. And I really tried to come back and beat him. I couldn't, I couldn't do it. And I was like, that was the weirdest game ever. And like, you know, I'm trying stuff or whatever deal is, but he still beat me. And I was like, that's impressive. Because the guy's not even like, he's like top 64 in the world, you know, like, or whatever. He's like, yeah. he's not even playing on tour. He's not even on the tour. He's not even you know? on the ballot. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and uh, I was just kind of shocked by that. And I was like, well, that's never happened before. And, you know, I trained for like, oh, it was like 16, 18 months straight. Only lost one time ever in training. And it was against this guy. It was just, it blew my mind. It was like, wow. Literally, it's like, you can really have it like, you know, one out of like a thousand games. I had a bad game. But like, you know. For most part, like I just, you know, my, my training partners got tired of me. Uh, so I had to hire more training partners. But like, you know, hire, but just like invite them over, whatever deal is. But I, the first training partner I hired, I actually paid him. I was like, you're traveling the world to me, sponsoring you. You're going to go to all the tournaments with me. You're going to hopefully you, you win and do whatever. Like, I'm going to pay you X amount every month. And you're, I mean, all your travel, everything's paid for. And wow. then, uh, but yeah, we eventually, I think I had, uh, Gosh, I think I had like six different guys at my house, uh, you know, sleeping on couches and wherever. Like it was a total boot camp before the World Championship and Painkiller, and uh, it was a lot of fun. It was I had my, I had all those players. I had the crazy guy, the offensive guy, defensive guy, strategic guy. I had then I had a top eight player in the world in in the in the my place, and I usually wouldn't invite a top eight guy into the house because they can learn extremely yeah. fast, um, but. This one guy was named Wombat, Mark Larson, and he was a world champion in his own right. Um, and uh, he, him and I trained before I went to my very first championship I won, the one in, uh, the one in Sweden. Mm-hmm. And so that first, uh, the first championship I ever won was, uh, I trained with him. So he reached out to me. He was like, 
hey, Jonathan, you mind if I come train with you? It's like 100% you can come train with me. You, you, you did me a solid, you know, back in 2000, and, you know, that was, now it's 2005, it's five years later, and I'm like, 100% you can come train with me. And so we always had, like, I think me, me and him always had, like, kind of a rivalry to some degree. Uh, competitiveness, yeah. Yeah, just super competitive. But, um, yeah, just, I, I, you know, I was always down for him to come and uh, uh, train with me and play with me. And I really wanted to play with him on the same team. Like, you've been one of my guys that, like, hey, he should be a part of that four-man team, right? Uh, he could have been on that team, but he had his own click, and I had I had my click. And uh, it was just kind of weird how that all happened, but uh, it brought us back together, and it was so funny. I think... I think three of the guys out of my training camp got in the top eight at that world championship. Wow. So it was, it was pretty nuts. So the training, the training that I was doing was just, it was just better than everyone else's. And like, and these guys haven't really finished in the top eight, like literally all, all season, like all year, you know, like it was, it was pretty remarkable. It was, it was a really cool like thing to see that, you know, the training I was doing was very effective. Well, they, they had to go against you or, you know, vice versa. The training, you know, they, they got a, they, I, I assume they felt the pressure like, okay, we're playing with fatality. I need to go on sweat mode. I need to put in 100, not even a hundred percent. I need to put 150% because I got to try to catch up to his level, go up there. And that, you know, that doesn't only happen, that even happens to a lot of industries, like even in the music industry. And I don't mean trying to change this subject, but Eminem, for an example, he's the number one rapper of all time. But they did a music, they did a music, uh, a video, Drake and a whole bunch of other rappers to do one video. They all said, they all had to re-script, rewrite everything, the lyrics, and change their their tone, do everything because they had to sing along with Eminem. They all had to change it. So going back again with, with, with you, all these players that play with you and they train with you and practice with you, all that, they all had to do the same thing. Okay, now I'm not playing with swim, so I'm playing with fatality now. I got to really step up to the game, put in my A game and start hitting home runs because this is going to be hard. What eventually did, it made them, like you said, they They got better. Top eight, they got better. Of course, they're playing with the best in the world. Now, I have a question. When you had to go to these tournaments, do you feel that a lot of times fear factor of the opponent player, not you, kicked in a lot. You know, like for an example, somebody in Korea you had to go against. They they I mean, they're facing the best. <laughs> it's like, okay, my I think, you know, like their nerves got the best of them. They were good, but knowing that they didn't play as their usual because they were facing against you, they were scared. They're gonna get demolished and they end up losing. Yeah, it's um I remember one time, like I, I one of my arch rivals, uh, Zero Four, he was a world champion uh Quake player as well. He actually beat me in two thousand one uh at QuakeCon. And 
we had kind of a really good rivalry going on. Like, I mean, I think El Nile was like four and one against him. I think lifetime. Um, but he beat me this one time. Uh, but I remember the uh, we were playing at World Cyber Games in 2000, and I forget what the final score was. I don't know. It was like eight to three, or I, I forget. Or eight. To, I don't know. Something. I can't remember the score of that game. I remember walking up to him after I beat him to go to the finals. It was like the winner bracket finals, like USA versus USA. And then the finals, I think I played against a Swedish guy. Um, but I went up to zero four and I go, uh, I was like, oh, good, you know, good game. And he was like, man, I, I couldn't, couldn't, I couldn't shoot. Like, I, my, my hand's shaking. He showed me his hand. It like, the whole time it was like, I just, I just nervous playing, playing against you, basically, essentially. And, uh, and it was kind of like, wow, like, I didn't, like, I have that much effect that I can get you to shake like that. And it was like, you know, it was just kind of like wild. And uh, I always tell people like, you know, I, I, I think he used to wear t-shirts a lot. Um, and in professional tournaments, um, I was always aware of like what I wore um, in tournaments. So being warm and not uh, frozen helps blood flow, helps you be more, you have fast reflexes, you're not frozen. And so you look at professional sports, people put on sweats before they go out on the field or they have a jacket on or whatever to stay loose and stay warm. Correct. And so I had the same mindset in professional gaming. I was like, you know what? I'm going to always wear long, like a fleece, something that's warm, keeps me warm. And these tournaments a lot of times are very cold because they want to keep all the computers at a very good temperature so they aren't overheating. Correct. And in, if you get uh, if you get a really hot gaming room, it, it's not that good. <laughs> uh, so, uh, but yeah, so I had uh, all these like little tricks I would do. And I feel like, for zero four at that point in time, I think, you know, he probably was nervous, but also probably cold. And, uh, and so those are all of the kind of things that, you know, I try to take advantage of everything, right? I'm always trying to get that 1% edge here, 1% edge there, 1%, like I try to stack them up. Just like, here are all my advantages and how do I keep getting these 1% things that happen for me? Where, like it's not a 50-50 battle now, it's like a 60-40 battle or a 70-30 battle. Because I have, I put all these things in my position, like where, you know, if everyone practices the same, then it's 50-50. But if I practice more, now I have 55% to 45, you know, and these kind of things. So my whole mindset was around that. And um, my trick to not shake, because I used to shake when I first started playing, but ca caffeine actually uh, made me shake. Uh, mm. At my very first, uh, my very first tournament, the one I took third in, the one, that very first pro tournament. Uh, I always say it's like pro because like, you know, the best players in the world were there. Like, uh, and so, yeah, I just I remember shaking, and I was like, man, this, this, I was a, was a, a, a Gava or whoever, like, whoever was in balls. Remember the balls drink? <clears throat> uh, it was like this, it's like, it like literally like in a blue balls, uh, like, it's called B A W L S. It's called balls. <laughs> really? It's basically oh. like, it was before, it was, it was like so funny. It's like blue balls. Like, it's like, it's, it is so funny. And so I was like, who came up with this freaking branding, you know? And so uh, it was like an energy drink. It had like, uh, it had something in it, whatever deal is. It was like before Red Bull. I mean, I think this was before Red Bull. Okay. And, uh, and so I was just like, I remember ha having like a few of them because they were just giving them out for free. I was like, oh, I just got free drinks all the time. And you know, I'm 18. I had no clue what the hell was going on. Mm -hmm. I have no idea. I have, my body's like, like I'm in the best shape of my life. Like I like nothing can phase me, you know. Like uh, and I remember just 
in the tournament, I almost lost one of my matches. And uh, I was so upset, I, I actually broke my headphones uh, after the match. I, I, won, I won the game 8-7 to seven or whatever it was. I was really upset at myself that I let a drink affect me so much in performance. Um, wow. That almost cost me my whole career. Um, because if I didn't win any money at that very first pro tournament, yeah, I would have kept playing tournaments, whatever deals, probably. But I would never put the training required to be the best in the world. In. Yeah. And so it was so funny how close I was to not being a professional gamer anymore or not continue with this career. And uh, just like kind of living on the edge a little bit. And I think that's, uh, I think that's going to be like some really cool, like, key points to talk about when I write my book and, and uh, just like, you know, how close I was to like not doing it and like, you know, and all, all the, all the kind of like the, you know, behind the scenes stuff that was going on. But uh, there's a lot of cool stuff that, uh, that happened and, and uh, you know, built me into who I am today and, and kind of gave me that energy to compete for so long. Now talking talk about what you're building today, what, what are, what are things you're doing now? I see you golf. Oh yeah, I still compete. <laughs> uh, so I, I love competition. So I play ice hockey. I play on two beer league hockey teams. I play golf and tournaments all the time. I play in anything whenever I can find a tournament or anything competitive. I'm in. Uh, so whatever you want to do, if you want a seatbelt race, I'm in. Like like literally like I'll do anything. <laughs> uh, I, I love I, golf. I play golf. I play in the in the mid to high seventies. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, and yeah, I, I, I just shot my lowest round ever from the tips. Yeah, but you know what? Anything hotter than that, I'll stay home. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> As a joke I always say, I tell people, I played through the mid to high 70s. They're like, oh my God, that's freaking amazing. I go, yeah, anything hotter than that, I'll stay home. I'm not going to go out and play in the 70s. <laughs> oh, okay. Get it temperature wise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. No. <laughs> uh, I never heard. I never heard that one before. Yeah, I was fooled by that. If somebody tells me you play golf, I'm like, yeah, I like to play. You know, I just, I, I mean, I'm not a, a pro at it. You know, I just like to just to have fun. And he goes, I played a mid to high seventies. I go, like, dude, you should be competing. That's freaking amazing. He goes, yeah, anything hotter than that, I'll stay home, man. I don't want to play eighty. <laughs> yeah, that's so funny. <laughs> Pull the heck out of me, man. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I uh, <clears throat> I've been playing. I played golf. I played junior golf when I was a kid, and I played a lot of sports growing up. And uh, mm -hmm. golf was just like always a hobby. I worked at a golf course for like three and a half years, um, so I got a lot of free golf when I was younger. I and did then, too. Uh, yeah, that's the way to do it. If you if you really love golf and you're young, you can mm -hmm. just get a job at a golf course. <laughs> you know? I worked actually at at um, at a hotel in Puerto Rico where. Uh, the shark, uh, what's his name? Greg Norman. Greg Norman uh, did a course, and uh, it it was phenomenal, and and I loved it. I I was just I was just a guy carrying the bags, cleaning the clubs after the guests get done, and making sure the tea times are already set up for them when they come over. And it was it was it was it was a Weston it was Weston Real Mar. And it was in Rio Grande, right next to the National Rainforest. Oh wow! Yeah. So in Puerto Rico, what we did is a lot. Everybody, big portion of people get into tourism because that's where the money's at. Tourism, 
And I was like, okay, I'm going to get a head start. I'm going to study that, become a tour guide, et cetera. But I'm going to go in the, in the hotel industry. So I worked there and it was, I worked at the Westin back. They change it now. Now Westin left and, and is now took over by Wyndham. So I worked at, at that hotel, very beautiful. And at the golf course, I got to see Greg, but a very far distance. And, um, it was, it was, it was, uh, it was, it was nice. And, um, I, uh, I did that for a while and just, well, let me go a little bit further back before, before Weston came over, it was the property and all this stuff was owned by the owners of Reebok. I got to meet the own the son, the owner of Reebok, the son, and super spoiled. I remember one day they were playing golf. I was nearby, making sure everything, all the the carts were they they had the electrical carts. Everything is fully charged, and he was like, got done playing. He's like telling his buddies, guys, uh, anybody want to go to Japan? And they're like, yeah, cool. Okay, we'll go tonight. Just like that. I'm like, can I go too? <laughs> they just wanted to go there to play some golf course over there. Yeah. They, they just do that. I mean, obviously you spoil rich, you know, you can do whatever you want, but this is immediately just like, Hey, want to go? Yeah. Yeah. Let's go. Sure. No problem. Okay. And it, it was a blast. I mean, I had fun. I got to meet a lot of uh, rich and famous and stuff like that. And they all always, as for tea times, you know, they always put up in it and always you'll see them on the golf course. Um, but our, our thing was that we're not allowed to approach them or unless they approach us or come to us, we can't be asking for autographs. We can't be asking for nothing. We're just like, treat them like if, if it's anybody else, don't make them feel uncomfortable or, Hey, can I get your order? Can I take a picture with you? Cause you will be fired immediately. So we just had to treat them like normal human beings because they go to the island to escape from that because they receive that every single day wherever they go. Yeah. They're eating in a restaurant and they're already getting harassed. Can I take a picture? Can I take a picture? Can I get this? So we just, just I just pretend I just ignore them, you know? Yeah. I think it's like, just like in service in general, like you have to treat, you know, just, you know, yeah. that's, just how, that's just how it is. But, uh, yeah, those rules are in place for a reason. And, you know, people do try to get away from that stuff and they try to find some they, norm, they want normal lifestyle. Yeah, especially when you're going to go golfing and, and, and doing that. So I see you, I see you uh, golf and I saw, I, saw, I see you on, on, the, on Twitter or slash X now. I don't know what to call it, man. That's such a freaking pain in the neck. I, I tell X and people are like, okay, X, Twitter. Oh, okay. I know what you're talking about. So it's still, I, I still say Twitter slash X. So I, I see that the, that you, you golf, who else you golf with anybody pretty pot. You haven't golf with the uh, ninja or have you? Uh, no, never, 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 uh, golf with ninja. Um, I met Dr. Speck for my first time and hitting, we were hitting balls in the range together. Uh, and then, um, <clears throat> I, I played a lot of celebrities and so forth. I mean, um, like professional baseball players, football players, um, 
played with Austin Reeves last year when the NBA Summer League was here in town. He's a point guard for the Lakers. Oh. And um, just plays a bunch of different athletes. Just I, I, I've been meeting more athletes uh, more than ever, um, <clears throat> you know, in the last like five years or so. Um, I think it's just, I don't know. <laughs> something about something about meeting I meet a lot of, I meet a lot of professional athletes now. Um and so yeah. it's always kind of cool because you know obviously they come from like the more traditional sports world and I come from like the esports side, but the 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 common ground is like, you know, uh you know, they're all everyone's a competitor. Austin Reeves was a really good is a really good golfer actually. He shot like eighty one with me the first day, then seventy one the next day. And I was like, Wow, he shot one hundred par and like <clears throat> I thought that was really impressive. Um, but yeah, he's, he's, uh, he's self-proclaimed. He's the best NBA, uh, golfer, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, and, uh, but yeah, he's, he's a really good stick and really nice guy, super humble and just down to earth. And we have such a good time playing golf. Those are, those are the good people. I like the humble ones. You know, I, some people ask me, Oh, wouldn't you like this person to be on your show and all this? I said, you know, no, I don't care about the fame. I don't care. I, I like the humble people. Oh, but you could get famous. I said, listen, my fame is to save people's lives. I work in the medical field, and that's my my high. If I'm able cool. to save somebody's mom or dad's life, that's my goal. That's my champion. That's my trophy. For this sure. is just a hobby. This is just for fun. Famous people. I got it in my in my in my bloodline. My um, I won't say this much, but my cousin uh, Lenny Castro, you can look him up. He is very popular in the music industry. He plays with Fleetwood Mac. He plays with Stevie Nicks. He played with Maroon Five. He plays with Fifty, Stevie Wonder. You name it. And I got to be backstage with. Pop. It comes to a point that I'm so used to them. You know, now for me, it's not like okay. It will give me back. So you want to be backstage? I'm like, sure, I'll go. And and just mm-hmm. regular people, it's like you and me, nothing, you know. And but I always tend to like the humble ones. Like like you said, you were playing with a person that just humble. Those are the people I, I like to be friends with. And you know, I don't go out bragging. Oh, I got a cousin. He does. I don't say that much. I don't even put that out. You know, I'm I'm saying that out with you because we're talking about topic about celebrities and famous people, but. You know, I have them, and and um, and I've been I've been there, been the, done that, been backstage. Uh, I on the concert with uh, with Stevie Nicks. He played then. He said, "I'm going to be on tour with Stevie Nicks." Very good friends. They're very good friends. They've known each other for many years. And I said, "Sure, let's go." I I was more there for him than for anybody. I mean, I was back. She was over there and. Corner talking and with friends and because it's VIP, you go. There's only one way to get in, and I was like, you know, because I just want to be here with you. <laughs> That's all I care. Yeah, you know, it's, well, like, it's like when you're when you're there to watch who you want to watch, and yeah, you know, uh, when uh, it's like when Austin Reeves came to Vegas to play in the end season tournament. You know, I got to see LeBron play and Anthony Davis, and the you know Lakers won it, but uh, Austin Reeves killed it. Like, it was, like, really fun to watch him, like, do his profession and so forth. I think that's just, like, you know, with any fan, you know, you, you, lo- you love to be there in person and watch them do their thing. And, um, yeah, it's oh, yeah. always, uh, it was fun. It was a really enjoyable 
night and got to see a, a good game and it was just different you know it was, it was really cool uh, had a good time wow, that's amazing but vegas is wild though vegas is like las vegas has been great for me it's just beautiful uh how much it's grown into a real city um with all the sports teams coming here and so forth. When I first moved here, there was really no sports teams, but now we got the Golden Knights, we got the Raiders. I'm not really a massive Raiders fan because I'm a Kansas City guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I grew up right by Kansas City Stadium as a kid, and you know, obviously, uh, lived in Kansas City pretty much my whole life. Uh, but live, you know, also have a place here in Las Vegas, uh, so it's kind of cool. And then, um, yeah, just overall, just watching like Vegas evolve into a real city has been kind of amazing over the last 15 years. Um, and so it's oh, it's really exciting. I love hockey. As I told you earlier, like I played last mm-hmm. night and playing tonight again, I played on two different teams and, uh, excited to, uh, do that. But then tomorrow I'm actually uh, heading off with my brother. going to go play golf in Oregon and Bandon dunes. And so I, I, de- I, de- I, I definitely, I, I definitely am joined the retired gamer life. <laughs> yeah, no, I bet. I bet. So yeah, that's, 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 that's nice to, uh, nice to know. Um, but just like, it's like, it's all, but like most of my life always still revolves around competing. And uh, yeah. I just, I just love competing. And it's part of it. Um, it's, it's part yeah. of your, your, it's in your blood that no matter what you do, no matter how small or big, you're always going to have that competitive drive in you. you no matter what it is, you want to be the best at it. You're yeah, gonna I, go I, try to, I try I try to turn it off last year for one hole of golf and <laughs> literally at the green and it turned back on and all, everyone got upset at me. <laughs> I was like, like I, I can't help it. Like, this is like, this, I just want to win. I want to compete. I want there to be something on the line. Like, I just can't stand it. Not like, are we just, playing to play like this makes no sense like this is like like if we we're just gonna whack the ball around i'll go like i don't know just i don't know like not he like i don't know i just it's not it's not in me like i just like it has to be something online it has to mean something to do something well if you're ever down in florida let me know uh hook me up you you know you got my contact and and uh we could play we could go to a golf range because I play horrible. I mean, you play with me, you're gonna have fun. You're gonna be winning. Yeah. <laughs> you're gonna win. Yeah. I guarantee. How much you want to bet you're gonna win? I, that's a competitive. Uh, well, I, I was doing the research on like uh, what percentile I am uh, in the golf world. Mm-hmm. So right now, my handicap is a point nine. Uh, so I think I'm in the top what two percent of all the golfers. So like, I just shot my lowest round ever the other day. I shot 69 from the tips uh, at Santa Ana Country Club. And so I, it was so funny. I started off with a bogey. Then I had all pars and four birdies after that. Get the heck out of here. Really? Yeah. Yeah, it was nuts. It was nuts. So I'm what you want to bet I'll do all bogeys. <laughs> I bet you'll shoot 69 in the front nine. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just joking. I'm sure you're I Every, I, I tell everyone I shot 69, they're like, yeah, on the front nine. I'm like, no, it's like, yeah, I, I love, I like, I put a lot of effort in golf. Um, you know, I think, uh, yeah, it's just, I like the hand-eye coordination and precision and just, you know, all the skills I've had since I was a kid and, you know, using that for esports and gaming. But, you know, I see the transition directly into, you know, traditional sports and esports to me are very similar because they, they require a certain uh, skill set 
and uh, I love I love playing anything that involves those skills, and mm-hmm. uh, I look for, I really look forward to some new games coming out in gaming and esports. Like I'm really craving something new and fresh and exciting, and I've just been kind of waiting right now, like playing some games like the finals or uh, uh, I play Apex Legends still and PUBG and Overwatch and all the kind of like the classics, I guess you'd call them now because mm-hmm. they've been around for so long. Uh, but I, I've just been craving something new and fresh and I'd really like for the game to be just like a faster game. Uh, I played Tribes, Tribes 3. I don't know if you ever played Tribes, but Tribes mm-hmm. is a very old school game. Came out in, uh, Tribes 2 came out in 2001. To give you, show you how old that game is, but Tribes uh, was a really fun game. They have a thing called like a they have like this skill like a surfing skill. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you basically surf through the dunes, and you can fly and burst yourself into the sky and fly around and shoot like these like disc. They're kind of like rocket launchers, um, and uh, play capture the flag. You can do all the different things and so forth. But it's actually pretty fun. Like. You know, if you want to play a fast game and feel like a little bit of juice behind you, um, it's pretty fun to play Tribes right now. Like, I, I would say if I had to play a game right now, right, the playtest te- play is over right now. But uh, Tribes was a really fun game. So if you get a chance, uh, try out some Tribes. Uh, I, I think it was probably the most fun I had this year playing games. Um, I'm trying to think of the other games I really enjoyed. Uh you did. Yeah. I, I did try finals. The one you just told me. Yeah, the finals. Yeah, yeah. It's it's actually pretty. It's very competitive. It's awesome. My daughter, stepdaughter, well, daughter. I just call her daughter. She plays it, and I tell her, try this out because she has that competitive spirit in her. Yeah. She loves sports. She likes. You know, she she's gonna get already signing up for flag football and all this stuff, and then. She, I told her, hey, try this out. She goes, oh, come on. I'm like, trust me, I think you're gonna like it. She played it, and all of a sudden, this is my favorite game. I was like, what? And she, like, loves it. She's, like, yeah. hardcore in it. She loves that competitiveness. Yeah, the yeah. finals is a really good game. Like, I mean, it's a three-person team game and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, what do I like about it? I mean, it is pretty cool that you can destruct and destroy things and so forth. It feels like a faster Call of Duty to some degree because you can move and shoot uh, at the same time. Yeah, um, like I felt like a, a little bit of an apex in a way. Yeah, it has a little bit of apex in it. But like, you know, the problem with these games, like this is like my big, my big pet peeve with all these games right now, is that they take out all the skill of deleting someone and basically make it so like, you can only kill, like, say, say how much damage you can do with a full clip, okay? A full clip, you can do 120% damage, okay? So, even you know, you hit every shot, you're going to kill one guy. And then the second guy, you're going to kill, like, maybe 20 to 50% of him. You're not going to kill him, right? So it's like this ability for one person to kill a whole team is not really there. Uh, and so, for me, I like to see, I like to see more... Like, Apex Legends was perfect when it first came out. You can go in there, delete guys with the wingman and then the shotgun, the peacekeeper, and you could totally just, like, wreck. Like, you could definitely kill two guys. A third guy would be really hard with the two clips. Mm-hmm. Um, but now it's more, I feel like the game's more like Halo now. Like, if you, if you remember Halo, it's like you can only shoot so much and then you're reloading or whatever deal is and then you just die. And it's like kind of like this, like, 
domino effect that's happening all the time. Um, so I, I just I miss like those moments where like you can really pop off and just go completely bonkers on your opponent and like just delete everyone. I just I miss that part of gaming in a lot of ways. Just uh, I feel like everything is built to be a 50-50 experience now, and they do so many things to make sure everyone's having fun. But like, you know, like my fun is deleting people. And, you know, when they take the the speed of the game away and take away like all the, the amazing shots that you can perform and do. And for me, it's like, uh, it's like, I just really want a faster game. Like I, I just miss fast games. Like that's kind of like, well, like, I, if, I, if I'm going to flank someone like in PUBG, I got to spend like a minute or more flanking the guy. In the quake, you'd flank the guy in like ten seconds or five seconds, or you know, directly in front of him. Like you know, like there's, you could you, everything's instant. You know, like you could do it on the spot, but like everything else is just a long, drawn out process. I feel like sometimes. You you still play PUBG or no? Yeah, I played it. I played it a little bit this year, not a ton. Not playing it like I used to for sure. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I still I played their day. I, I don't play with my friends as much as I would like to. Like that's the big thing about playing any of these games. Is like you really just want to play with friends you really enjoy playing with and you have you enjoy playing with and doing stupid stuff. Like we had a thing where we'd land hot at a military base every round, no matter what. And we would we would do it nonstop until all four of us got out. <laughs> oh, and uh, it was so much fun. Like we're just yelling, screaming and it was so much fun. Like th- those are the best p- parts of like playing with a team or playing with just your friends in general. Like, yeah, you know, like my team is not the best players in the world. Like my team is literally just my friends that I enjoy playing with. I those enjoy talking best. with. That's yeah. And just, yeah. And like, you know, I, I, it's the best for that regard, but <laughs> usually it leads to a stream of me yelling at my friends, like the whole stream. <laughs> Yeah, like, what are you doing? Why are you going there? Like, my one of my one of my friends is a car salesman in Alabama. This guy has like the thickest like Southern accent, and he is so funny. And so every time we die, we just blame him. And uh, and he's always carrying smoke grenades. He's like our designated smoke thrower. He just throws smokes everywhere. Like wherever we go, there's just smoke grenades everywhere. And uh, that's his thing. Like it's just so funny. We just. A lot of laughing and uh you know, even when he's dead and, and somehow like me and like my other friend Skittles or whatever, like, like say like I die or she dies, I was like, Oh, it's definitely uh it's definitely Sarge's fault, the the car salesman. <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> we, we 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 have so much fun poking poking each other, you know, it's it was a good time. Wow, man. Phenomenal. Uh well, my friend. It was it was a, it was fun to talk to you and have you on. I know we got so much more to talk. Uh, I want to save it for another episode. I know. Yeah, maybe maybe, be... maybe when I get the book out, we'll. Uh, yeah, we'll yeah. When you that. get the book out, because I want to talk more. I want to go more in depth on your with your Hall of Fame, all that yeah. stuff, all those goodies. And, and, uh, it's, it's been, it's been phenomenal. I know we could go on and on and on. Cause you were, I'll, honestly, I'm going to tell you this. I did wanted to make a gamer tag, uh, to have fatality in it. That's how much I, I admired you and I still admire you. And I was trying to go put wanna be fatality, uh, you know, 
Fatality yeah. to go. Have you, ever, have you ever heard the song? The which one? The song? Uh, it's, it's, it's called It's Gotta Be Fatality. No, I never heard of it. Oh, I'm going to send it to you. You're going to love it. It's called It's Gotta Be Fatality. So I had a friend from Sweden that remastered it. Um, it was really initially made by a fan who saw me on MTV. And the guy, that uh, he, the guy he's like a 17-year-old kid, reached out to me. He's like, hey, Fatality, do you mind if I write a song for you? I'm like, that would be amazing. Like, sure. And then he made this song, and it was like really kind of catchy. Uh, and I was like, wow, this is amazing for like, you know, 2002, like just making it like at home by yourself with whatever sound stuff you have to make whatever electronic music you make, I guess at the time, I don't even know. Uh, you can send it to me on, on, on Twitter. I, I, I got you. Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, Easier. So yeah. So then this guy from Sweden named Torsland, he's really good. Like he like remasters music mm-hmm. and just amplified it beyond your belief. Like it was like, this is 10 times better than the original. <laughs> and so, oh. Uh, it was really cool, and uh, so yeah, I'll, I'll send you the send you it, but yeah, it's called It's Gotta Be Fatality, and I'm sure you can just search on YouTube and it's, you'll find it. But uh, but I'll send it to you as well. Oh, yeah, let me uh, let me uh, just do like a oh, I can't DM you on Twitter yet. Hold on, I added you there, you, you, you got it there, so but yeah, we will set up when your book comes out. We're gonna bring you back on the show because we needed a lot to talk about. There's more. There's so much more. Uh, so we'll we'll get that. Uh, we'll get that in the schedule. I got it's, it's my my schedule is getting really booked lately. Um, it's getting packed. So right now I'm all the way booked all the way till February, mid February, and it's and it's getting packed right now as we speak. A lot of people want to be on the show. So that's cool, man. Oh yeah, it's it's a good thing. It's a good thing. I I, I like it. It's a hobby. Like I said, it gets my mind off work, because working twelve hours uh, shift in the hospitals it, it takes a toll on you. So this is my way to decompress and take stress out. Talk about gaming, and and just having fun. You know, just that's all I I do. Just have fun with it. So yeah, cool, um, well, I thank you very much for having me on your show and. Uh, yeah, it it's so a cool pleasure and an honor, man. You don't know the honor. Thank you so much because you could have been like a lot of these guys that are that just only won one time. They just won one championship. And that's it. And they just like the total jerks and toxic. They don't even want to talk to you. They don't even approach nothing. And you being the goat of esports. And, and and I tell this to people. He is the Tom Brady. He is the Michael Jordan of esports won so many, so many times. And still you were like humble to talk to me, reached out. We talked, we, uh, back and forth emails and you said, yes, you didn't like, Oh wait, you don't have a million followers. I'm not going to go ahead and go into your show. You were nothing like that. And that right there just, you know, gain so much respect. I, I like, I'm not worthy. <laughs> I'm, I'm not worthy. I was like, oh man, it's, it's all time really, favorite. Thank you so I, much. Yeah, I appreciate it very much. And you actually, uh, you actually hit a, a memory for me. Um, so back in the early '90s, before I ever won my first championship, uh, I had the same experience as you had. 
uh, where, you know, talked to this one guy who won one tournament or whatever and, like, wouldn't talk to you. And I, I, I try to talk to everyone. Like, you know, I was like, oh, I want to talk to this guy because he's, like, really good at the game. I want to, like, you know, you want to have these moments with these people. And uh, I always felt like they're jerks and assholes, same as, uh-huh. same as you do. And yep. so I was like, this is, like, ridiculous. Like, you know, these people aren't giving any attention to, the, like, their fan base or, like, who they, you know, like, or just, like, just, you know, I'll just be a normal person almost. Um, and so I was kind of, like, turned off by it. And uh, so before I ever won the championship, like, I had, like, I only had three goals. Uh, the first goal was, you know, I want to travel overseas and play a video game. That was my number one goal. Well, you know, just want to, like, I think that would be a cool thing to have on my, you know, something that grandpa did. You know, like, you know, when you tell your grandkids some days, like, your dad traveled overseas to play a video game kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. And then uh, the second one was, like, I want to become a world champion. Like, I really want to become a world champion. I want to be the best in the world. That's, you know, I want, to be, I want to be the best in the world. And uh, I want to accomplish that. And then number three was, like, you know, once I become a champion, I'm not going to be a jerk. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to spend time answering every Thank question, you. every interview, and everything. And it, you can't imagine what my IRC chat look like i had thousands like you couldn't even see the bar on the screen they were like thin little needles and uh and i and i remember just like uh i spent probably 30 days straight answering everyone and just wow. reading their message saying thank you read the message saying thank you thank you and then you know i eventually close 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 you know closing all the chat things and eventually people start responding and like or continuing the conversation. And then I would I would I would answer all those questions. I mean, it was like an eight hour a day work job. Uh, you know, just answering questions, talking to people and, and doing the whole thing. But I knew it meant a lot to them because I just remember how much I wanted my question answered. Cool. And uh and so I, I know the feeling and and uh thank you for reminding me of those uh early days. Those good moments, yeah. Well, that's what the podcast's about. It's about talking talk about a lot of things so yeah yeah well fatality thank you so much uh i just want i get, always give everybody a, a, a moment to give them a, the stage so every uh, you could give uh, advertise whatever uh where you're yeah, working, well, where to find you so the stage is yours go ahead yeah well you know obviously you guys know this fatality fatal one ty um, you can find me on basically any social media platform and love for you guys to come by and watch me live stream sometime. And, um, other than that, uh, I appreciate your time, uh, Dr. VTAC. I appreciate having me on the show and looking forward to, uh, seeing you, uh, online. Don't forget, you got to practice. Yes. Practice, practice, practice. That's now, the only you, way guys. You have a website, right? Yeah. Fatality.com. Fatality.com folks. And don't forget yeah. to follow him on, uh, on on Twitter slash X and um, also website, <laughs> so you could get to see more about him and and also his book is coming out and of course I'm gonna oh, come on, yeah I gotta I gotta write it I gotta write it I gotta write it yeah so yeah. when that when that comes out and gets done you know we 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 got we got we'll do this of, again yes yes okay so folks take care have a good one. Thank you for stopping by the show and God bless you. Have a good one, guys. Till next time. Take care. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Dr. VTAC show and don't forget to click follow.